Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Now, the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasaba, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news newspaper since 1971. Bonus time the Ben show as I speak. It is Friday, February 17th, 2023. Uh, about 10 days till election. 10 days. Tick, tick, tick. That's the sound of the clock ticking down to Chicago's mayoral election. If you don't believe the, uh, uh, the articles in the newspaper, well, I believe the articles in the newspaper, uh, but uh, they're saying that there's a great there's an increase in the demand uh, for early voting. Uh, now, what I don't know is, does that mean just people are getting it out of the way fast and we're still going to have the same horrific uh, turnout? Or does this mean this this pretend that Chicagoans are actually paying attention and interested in what's going on? If so, uh, let me uh, just read uh, to you a, a headline. I'll give you a sense of what's going on in the world and it's very appropriate uh, to um what I'll be discussing with my distinguished guest today. Uh, this is, uh, it's not from today. This is actually an article that I've kept. It's about two weeks old. I was in the Sun-Times. Paul Vallis says voters should focus more on competency over likability. I guess he's saying that because he's unlikable. <laughs> Sorry, man. We, hey, Paul, I don't know why you're worried about it. I can't think of a likable mayor in the city of Chicago since Harold Washington died. Oh, Eugene Sawyer was likable, but he was not elected. I mean, Mayor Richard M. Daly is not exactly a teddy bear. And uh, good God, Rom. Nobody like Rom. Even I don't think Rom like Rom. And as many people don't like Rom, I think even more people don't like Lori Lightfoot. So I don't think likability. I think Chicagoans are kind of weird. Well, I know Chicagoans are kind of weird. And they elect, uh, I'm going to vote for the most unlikable mayor because only an unlikable mayor can rule a city as like Chicago, they have a, a low opinion of themselves, apparently. Uh, anyway, uh, this article about likability, Paul Vallis is uh, going on as he likes to do and talking about what he's going to do to the world. And he says he's going to institute a voucher program for public education in the city of Chicago. He's going to institute a voucher program. Okay. Uh, in other words, uh, he will give out uh, vouchers or certificates, or I don't know how he's going to handle it, but cash money, property tax money uh, to parents to help. Uh, subsidized private education. Uh, he says we'll pay for it with TIF funds. And folks, I read this and my head just went, Poof. 
I'm one of the few people in the city of Chicago who actually knows how the TIF program <laughs> works, what it's intended to do, how it impacts your property tax bill. And I'm like, and you know who else knows it? Paul Vallis, because he was there in the 90s when the TIF program in the city of Chicago, as it exists now, was created by Mayor Richard M. Daly. And so he knows how the program works. So it's just the notion of using economic development dollars that are supposed to eradicate blight in poor neighborhoods uh, to what? Undercut the Chicago public schools, destroy the teachers union, which is really, I think, ultimately his objective is, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, and what? Profit, profiteers in private education? Yeah, I'll tell you what. That is that is a radically anti-democratic program, even for Chicago. When I say Democrat, I mean small d Democrat. All right, without further ado, I'm going to ask my distinguished guest to introduce herself. She's got a lot to say about this subject, I know. So distinguished guest, introduce yourself. Uh, hi, I'm Cassie Cresswell. I'm the director of Illinois Families for Public Schools. We are a statewide advocacy group that pushes for pro-public school policies and uh, really has to be the, the voice for public school families, um, for state level legislation and policy. Yes. Uh, the last time Cassie's on the show, we were talking a very local, uh, story about what was going on at Jones. We're not going to talk about Jones, but some of the longtime listeners go, Oh yeah, I remember that lady. I remember her, the Jones uh, mom. Uh, Cassie, thank you very much for uh, taking the time uh, to come to and talk to me about this. We're going to take a deep dive, ladies and gentlemen. We may get a little wonky here, but uh, you can handle it, Chicagoans, okay? Uh, and we're going to talk about vouchers. And uh, that's why I began with that uh, article, which is about two weeks old. Uh, I've never seen a proposal like it uh, from uh, a candidate who is poised to become mayor of the city of Chicago. And everybody knows that there's a very strong likelihood that Paul Vallis will emerge from the 28th uh, first round to make the runoff. Whether he can prevail in a runoff, get more than 50% of the vote is a whole other issue. Uh, you know, his MAGA tendencies could hurt him in the city of Chicago. Uh, but uh, he's pretty much consolidated the MAGA vote and uh, he's getting a, a lot of support on the North Lake front um, for law and order liberals who aren't really even liberal. But anyway, uh, so that should get him into the runoff. Uh, so vouchers could become a reality, Cassie Cresswell, for people in the city of Chicago. And it's already a reality uh, for people in the state of Illinois. So, why don't you start uh, with some basics and explain uh, to listeners what a voucher program is and how it works? Take it away. Um, yeah, so really, vouchers are a reality in Chicago and uh, the state as a whole. Um, and this happened uh, back in 2017. The Invest in Kids program was created when the state was trying to resolve a budget crisis uh, precipitated by Governor Rauner. Um, and as part of the compromise to resolve everything, a new state funding formula for public schools K to 12 was passed, which was great and desperately needed. Um, and that formula means that as we add funding um, to the amount the state pays for public schools, it has to go to districts who need it most first, which wasn't what we were doing previously. Uh, but essentially, in order to get the governor to support that, what was slipped into the, the compromise was the creation of a voucher program in the form of a tax credit scholarship. Uh, so 
a traditional voucher program, basically the state directly appropriates money that is paid to public schools to cover uh, students' tuition costs. But that runs into a lot of problems with the First Amendment, or it used to before some of the recent Supreme Court decisions, uh, because most of the, the private schools in the country and most of the ones now getting vouchers in Illinois are religious. Uh, so if you, which is handing over public dollars to religious schools is something that violates the First Amendment, and it also violates the Illinois Constitution. But if you structure things in a little, a little bit of a different way, you create a middleman organization that hands out the vouchers, uh, and Illinois we call them scholarship granting organizations, then you have um, basically taxpayers, instead of paying their taxes to the state, can write a check to the scholarship granting organization. The scholarship granting organization hands that money over uh, to private schools to pay tuition costs for families. Uh, and it's just the state uh, general revenue fund that takes the haircut. Um, and then those taxpayers, they get 75% back of whatever they paid to the scholarship granting organization. Um, so in some states, that's a one-to-one -one thing. Here, you only get 75% back, but it's essentially like you know, instead of writing a charitable donation to support scholarships to a private school of $1,000, you write that $1,000 to the scholarship granting organization and the state of Illinois will then take $750 off your tax bill. Um, so it, it really is sort of a complicated structure that basically lets up to $75 million of tax money a year go to fund private schools in Illinois. Um, and really the biggest chunk of that um, is going to private schools in Chicago. Um, so we really, we already have vouchers in Chicago. Um, it's done in this sort of trickier way uh, to get around the separation of church and state, um, but it really is just a, a slightly more complicated version of a traditional voucher program. Uh, and how much money did you say uh, goes uh, to subsidize tuitions to private school? You gave a number, I just couldn't hear it. Um, so the whole program could be as big as $100 million in scholarships, aka vouchers, and then that takes $75 uh, million out of the general revenue fund. We have not actually maxed out to that level any year of this program. So, for example, last school year, um, the voucher amount was $75 million, and the amount actually used in public dollars was $56 million. Wow, isn't that interesting? And I'm going to just take pause to just reflect on the significance of that. <laughs> that means like rich people, all, there's only so far they want to go to help a poor person even if they're getting a tax break. Do you follow what I just told you, Cassie? That's what it's telling me. Probably the reason this program hasn't been maxed out is because there's other states that are offering more. Uh, um, so some states have tax credit scholarship programs where you get one-to-one -one back. And you can claim it as a federal deduction. So essentially, you're kind of making money when you when you fund the vouchers. Uh, so Illinois' law doesn't go that far. And I think probably there's a, you know, sort of a large chunk of people that might contribute but are getting a better break somewhere else. And so we really haven't funded this to the level that we could with our, our tax dollars. All right. 
Uh, and so the word voucher, just so you know, folks, the, the idea of a concept of voucher probably goes back to the uh, right-wing economist Milton Friedman. Uh, and he was one who coined the term. So he, like, it was it was a notion of like a, a certificate, like a voucher that was good for, uh, it was like cash. So you could trade it in uh, to pay for your scholarship. Uh, and uh, uh, it was uh, Friedman who uh, came up with the notion of choice. Uh, but man, the, the Republicans love Milton Friedman. Uh, except, you know, it's funny. Like the Repub Milton Friedman is from uh, University of Chicago. Was there for a while, and they always talk about choice. But for years, corporations who talk about choice and Milton Friedman uh, would be the first one lining up at the at the trough to eat those property tax dollars that Mayor Daley was throwing away uh, for the ver various development deals. So it's it's interesting. Uh, they they believe there should be a free market uh, without any government intervention whatsoever, except when it comes to them and fortifying their plate. And it's like, where can I get my government handouts, please? Just a in, little in, more inter interesting uh, contradictions and inconsistencies from Republicans. So that's the, the notion uh, that you uh, pay your, ta your, your taxes to the government, and the government essentially gives you uh, a per-pupil allowance that you're free to spend at any school you want. And the notion is that the free market will prevail uh, with education the way it supposedly prevails with, like, real estate, even though it doesn't, as I just told you, because some real estate's fortified by government handouts and other isn't. Uh, and so parents will go to quote-unquote, good schools that manage their money the best, and the bad schools will disappear because they're not supported by the marketplace. I'm just, folks, just don't get mad at me. I'm just explaining what their logic is, okay? Uh, Cassie, does it work like that, in your humble opinion, in the real world when you have a voucher program? Is it is it a way of weeding out the, quote-unquote, bad schools and promoting the, quote-unquote, good schools? Um, the, the truth is like with a lot, maybe all school choice uh, schemes, the, the choosing is not actually done by the families and the students so much as it's being done by the schools. Uh, and so especially um, the way almost uh, schools are not that are taking these tax credit scholarship dollars um, are pretty much permitted to discriminate on any basis besides race. Uh, and so if you have a student with a disability, um, you are quite likely not able to take advantage of this program because the schools are not going to serve your kid and provide the accommodations they need. Um, and we have found a lot of schools uh, in Illinois that say, they don't want to admit your child uh, if the child is uh, LGBTQ plus or if you and your partner are LGBTQ plus. Um, if they find out later that you are, they'll expel your child. Uh, so that is, you know, like if you want to use a voucher and go to Wheaton Academy uh, and, you know, you're, you have two dads in your family, good luck. You're not going to be eligible. Um, so it's really the school cho choosing in that case. And it's really the school choosing in a lot of cases, because for the most part, private schools can just say, well, this isn't working out for us. So we're going to expel you. Um, and there's 
pretty much no recourse. Uh, whereas in public school, these things, uh, there's a lot of guidance and rules and oversight about uh, serving all kids. And so ultimately, that's, that's not really what's happening in voucher programs. Um, and kind of to your other point, there's this whole marketing around voucher programs that you're going to be rescuing kids from failing schools and putting them in an environment where they're going to succeed uh, and where the academic outcomes are going to improve. But the truth is, as research, you know, has now looked into long-standing voucher programs, especially as they grow big, like in Indiana, in Wisconsin, um, in Louisiana, Ohio, these long studies show that the academic outcomes for the students in the program are not good. And if you, you know, take two kids with similar demographics, similar situations, uh, the, the student who has used a voucher program does in fact, often does worse than the matched students who stay in public school. Uh, so it's it's not rescuing kids. It's diverting money uh, to private schools. Another thing we've seen pretty much everywhere, uh, we don't have any data in Illinois, but around the country, it, it really about three quarters, maybe even more of kids using vouchers never attended public school. Um, and that we're not rescuing them from anywhere. They're just getting a voucher to do what their family was going to do anyway, which is have their child go to a private school. Uh, the program that exists right now in the state of Illinois, are there uh, income limitations uh, uh, for the children uh, receiving the, um, the scholarship? In other words, uh, is there a threshold that their parents cannot exceed to make them eligible for the scholarship? Uh, yes. So if you're applying for the, like your first year getting a voucher, mm -hmm. your family has to be under 300% of uh, the federal poverty line. Uh, for a second year of the program, it can go up to 400%. Uh, so for the coming year, for a family four, that is family income of something like 111000 per year. Um, and so, you know, it's not the, Iowa just passed a program where anyone in the state is going to be able to get, use uh, essentially a voucher-like program. So we have it a little more constrained here in Illinois, but it's still really, you know, the, the median income in the state is quite a bit below $111,000 per household. Did you tell me that Iowa just passed a, a program where there are no uh, income limitations that uh, Ken Griffith, if he lived in Iowa, could be eligible for that? Is, am I understanding that what you just said correctly? Yes, they just passed a huge program. The governor there had been uh, trying to push this for several years, and there were still rural Republicans who were holding out uh, because they don't even have private schools in their district in their counties. Uh, and so this program is certainly not going to help them. Uh, but she managed to push it through this year. And it's, you know, it's over the next four years, it's going to co cost the state close to a billion, like close to $900 million. Um, and that's because every kid in the state basically is technically el eligible, 
um, without income limitations. Wow, that's some really whacked out stuff, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, once again, this is a program that is intended <laughs> to help poor people and whose children uh, have limited choices. <laughs> but, you know, isn't that interesting how it works out? Uh, it could be used to subsidize some upscale private school in Des Moines or wherever. Uh, all right. So I'm going to ask you a question more of on, on the speculative uh, level and uh, get your uh, thoughts on this. I have many opinions on the question I'm about to ask, but I'd love to hear your opinions. Why, in your humble opinion, uh, is a voucher program, a public subsidy, a program that publicly subsidizes private schools, so popular with Republicans? Uh, I mean, partly it's it's ideological, like you talked about earlier, and it's like, let's, you know, the market and the invisible hand does the best job of uh, directing any kind of human interaction. Um, and so that is, you know, Yes, school choice is just the same as going to the store and buying, you know, choosing your snack package and the best Doritos will win. Um, the other thing is that there is money in it. And, you know, a, a lot of the push in Illinois is for the private interests, in this case, religious schools, to get public dollars. And it's, you know, it, it's not necessarily exactly a profit motive. It's a tax expenditure motive. Like here's public dollars. We could get that, you know, farmers are going to fight for these subsidies, you know, businesses want these subsidies, et cetera. And here is just another interest group that wants subsidies for something they're doing anyway. Um, and yeah, there's been also, Something that underlies the whole thing is that here, K-12 education is the biggest sort of public institution in the country. It's a lot of public dollars are still concentrated there. Um, public health, public housing, these are not really, uh, really a thing in the U.S. Um, in terms of, say, public health care for sure. And public education still is for K-12. So if you are trying to, you know, mine public dollars and privatize things, there is your rich opportunity to do it. Well, it's just money grab. To that, I would add and get your response to this. Uh, it's uh, a, a club with which Republicans can pound away at teachers unions uh, and Republicans, and this is where Paul Vallis joins them, despise teachers' unions. Uh, there's a whole bunch of reasons why they do. Uh, I think there's definitely uh, some misogyny in there because there's so many women who are in teachers' unions, and they also think teachers' unions are easy to beat up because they're women in there. They're really weird. You'll never see a Republican go after the police union like they go after a teachers' union, uh, probably because the teachers aren't armed like the police union. Uh, and um, and also teachers unions generally support Democrats. So if you uh, take money away from public schools, which are largely uh, unionized, and give it to private schools that are largely non-unionized, you're reducing the number of union uh, teachers in the work pool uh, and you're reducing or weakening your opposition. 
So politically, it works well for Republicans, putting aside all these ideological reasons that they concoct, even though they contradict themselves when they when they want a handout. Uh, and uh, I've always believed uh, that was the uh, main incentive for Republicans to embrace uh, vouchers and charter schools as well. Do you agree with me in that, or do you think I'm way off base? Um, no, I think that's a big component. I mean, if you look at sort of one of the more vocal proponents in Illinois of vouchers, the Illinois Policy Institute, a huge amount of uh, Illinois Policy Institute rhetoric is anti-union. And, you know, they were behind the Janus decision, um, to, to which really weakened uh, sort of unions. And that is, I, that's a big part of it. I mean, Voucher schools in Illinois do not even have to have certified teachers, much less unionized teachers. Um, and, you know, I think the push uh, for charter schools as the school choice option uh, has lessened a little bit, in part because charter school teachers started be to become unionized. And so that was part of the, the shine wearing off of, of charters. You hit it on the head. And I, I always would tell, this is one of my favorite things I would tell uh, all teachers, just unionize those charter schools and Rauner will stop supporting a Bruce Rauner because they're no use to him. It's not like he cares about poor kids. He just wants to, <laughs> he just wants to pay less taxes. The way he pays less taxes is beat up the teachers union, weaken the democratic party, and he could pass any old laws. So they're very cynical Republicans, Cassie. You know what I mean? They pretend like they, um, I have principles. And then at every moment they drop their principles uh, when it's convenient for them. So yeah, uh, in this case, it's very transparent. All right. Uh, so you mentioned the program that exists right now in the state of Illinois uh, that was devised as an agreement between Rahm Emanuel, Bruce Rauner, Michael Joseph Madigan, John Cullerton, all of whom are gone from the scene, I might want to add. Rahm Emanuel was the mayor of the city of Chicago at the time. Johnny Cullerton was the Senate president. Michael Joseph Madigan was the House Speaker. Bruce Rauner was the governor. Just think about that, Cassie. That moment in time, 2000, all of them are gone. And yet, and yet, <laughs> this still remains. Thanks for nothing, guys, all of you. Uh, you're all gone. Rom's in Japan, Rauner's in Florida, uh, Cullerton is practicing law, and Michael Madigan is uh, fighting a federal indictment. Uh, and yet this thing remains as their legacy. Uh, so is, are we in danger of having this program expanded? Uh, is it actually going to get worse? What's the future of vouchers in the state of Illinois? So it was created as a temporary program, and that was certainly uh, a talking point when it was passed to make it more palatable that it was supposed to slide off into the sunset after five years. Um, it was very quietly extended for one year already. Uh, so the, the date that it should end should be after next school year currently in the law. Um, if it sticks around, I think it is absolutely a danger that it will expand. Um, you know, the voucher program in Wisconsin started out tiny and it is now uh, getting close to uh, half a billion dollars. Indiana, that program started out, supposedly it was actually benefiting the state by four million. And now it's up to 240 million in just a decade. So these programs do not shrink. 
I really, our push right now as an organization is to ensure that the voucher program does sunset. Um, and it's, it's really an important thing. Like when the new funding formula for schools was passed, it was designed around um, the idea that we should be putting dollars and deciding how many dollars you need based on how much it costs to educate the kids in your building using evidence-based practices. So things that improve academic outcomes. And the truth is vouchers are not evidence-based practices that improve academic outcomes. Uh, and the money should not be going in there. And in the meantime, you know, when the new formula was passed in 2017, we were billions away from full funding that would actually say all schools are adequately funded by the state. Um, and, you know, five years later, we're still billions away from full funding. We've been adding funding, which has been great, and it's been going to the right places. Um, most years we've added the statutory minimum of an additional $350 million, um, not every year, uh, but that really puts us on track to get to full funding in 2054. Um, and that's not okay. The state said we were gonna get there in 2027. So the idea that you can be pouring more money into state funding, and then at the bottom of the barrel, you have a hole where you're actually pouring more and more money out into private schools, um, that that doesn't add up, uh, especially when we know that these private schools are not willing to educate everyone. They aren't educating everyone. Um, and th that's just not an acceptable way to use public tax dollars. Um, and it's also not an effective way to actually educate the kids in Illinois. Uh, you said they were quietly extended for one year. The pro uh, it was so quiet, I didn't even know. And I'm an obsessive news follower. Somehow I missed that. Uh, I'm blaming you, Cassie, for me not knowing it. Just kidding. I'm not bl really blaming you. Uh, but who else but you would have told me about this? Uh, so when was it quietly extended? What were the circumstances, if you know them, of that quiet extension? And uh, how long before uh, uh, the extension is through, did you say? Um, so the quiet extension really happened in like two separate votes in two giant omnibus bills um, in spring of 2021 and spring of 2022. And so that has left us with a January 1st, 2025 sunset date. Um, it's a kind of a complicated thing because the school year that kids are getting vouchers for does not really line up exactly with a fiscal year of giving tax credits and then also people then taking tax credits um, and, you know, filing to get those. And so all of the provisions basically are set to expire at the end of 2024, but really next school year, the 2023-2024 school year, it would be the last one that kids were getting vouchers for. And were you following? What were the dynamics? It was uh, an omnibus bill means it was buried in a much larger bill. Uh, so it's that way it's easier to keep it a secret. Uh, and who, it, I, I mean, I, I know what the circumstances and you laid it out in 2017. Uh, this is how, I think they brought over the Catholic, uh, the archdiocese, they brought them over uh, to support the, the voucher bill in 2017. That was a big uh, a victory of sorts. So they, 
they got the uh, the archdiocese to sign on. Rauner then had cover to sign on to it. Uh, and uh, so, what were the the players? Was it the same set of players in this go around when they quietly extended it? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's so quiet. I don't think anyone exactly knows. It's yeah. a case of if you put it in something big like that, yeah. it it has to be the hill you're willing to die on as a legislator. Just like you're like, oh, okay, I'll sink every other little small change that we need to put into this omnibus bill. Or, yeah, I'm willing to vote against the state budget just to protect this um, or to stop it. And so that's not the case for, for most legislators on this program. Um, and the lobbying to keep the program has been massive. Like there's last year, there were 9,000 kids getting vouchers in Illinois. Um, and based on conversations with uh, legislators and being in the Capitol for lobby days for these, this program myself, Quite possibly every kid in the state that has a voucher has been at some point bust to Springfield wearing a T-shirt that says, save my scholarship. Um, and, of course, there are 1.8 million kids in public schools, and public schools do not have the money to give everyone a T-shirt and bust them to Springfield and also would be excoriated if they did uh, to the level that it's happening uh, with the tax credit scholarship program. Oh, my God. Ladies and gentlemen. Whenever the lefties in Chicago had a rally against for a elected school board or for more funding for the schools or I don't know f against any dimwitted idea that Daly and Rom came up with regarding public education and most of them were dimwitted uh, and children sh showed up to uh, oppose it, you would the, the the editorials in the downtown dailies thundering their concern and Rom would be I remember. Every day in the classroom is sacred, and our children are being used as political pawns, and it's just so sad. <laughs> They're so full of it. And then when it comes to vouchers, hey, get on that bus, kitty, and I'll give you a T-shirt. Who cares if you miss algebra? You know, <laughs> Cassie, these guys are the biggest collection of phonies. Seriously, I mean... Everything they say regarding public school and unions, they just throw out the window when it comes to supporting, you know, tax breaks for themselves, anti-union initiatives. And, oh, want to use the kids as political pawns in this stuff? Here, kid, wear a T-shirt and show up for the camera. Sometimes, I, I don't know. You know what? I'm almost speechless, Cassie. Almost speechless. It's hard to make it. Um, the scholarship granting organizations basically can skim off the top of their voucher receipts and keep 5% for their own operating costs. And then they can use that to lobby. Uh, so, you know, that the biggest scholarship granting organization, Empower Illinois, um, I think could, you know, basically have... Four million available uh, to for their operating costs last year. Um, actually, sorry, two point four million, uh, and could use that to lobby. This year, right now, they have like six or seven contract individual lobbyists and like another half dozen firms that they've uh, hired. So even on top of the the kids in the buses, they are 
very well uh, armed in Springfield to push for this program. So do you think uh, that it'll be possible to actually sunset it uh, in 2024? Uh, or will they pull pull the same game and insert it in the omnibus, omnibus bill and force everybody to, you know, die in that hill, to use your language, and to make that really difficult choice about voting against funding the state, <laughs> funding, like, the rebuilding of bridges and paving of roads, et cetera, and so forth, uh, and uh, in order to kill this uh, voucher program? Uh, I hope that the political sands are shifting um, and we are certainly doing what we can as an organization to, to shift those sands. We've uh, basically put together a coalition of now almost four dozen organizations that are endorsing the sunset, both like, you know, little tiny local independent political organizations. Um, all of the major teachers unions are on board. We have disability rights act, uh, advocates and um, the ACLU uh, and, you know, a ton of public education adv advocacy groups. So we are, you know, really trying to uh, let legislators know the problems with voucher programs and the problems in terms of long-term uh, growth happening. So if you think that you can just put this program essentially on ice and you're just like, okay, we'll just keep it as the $75 million cost. Hmm. Uh, you're, you're really fooling yourself. You know, if you take away that sunset date, the same buses of kids and the same empower Illinois lobbyists are going to be there, but now they're going to want the program to grow. They're going to want a hundred percent tax credit um, and they're going to want higher caps. And we've already seen a lot of bills along those lines. Um, so it, it really is, crucial for it to end. Um, the fact that we see these programs growing in red states, um, and these are also the same places that we are seeing things like book banning, we're seeing really virulent uh, anti-transgender student policies being put into place. Um, and this is all patterning with also a push to, to privatize public schools in ways even more shocking, I think, than voucher programs, uh, things called education savings accounts, which essentially you are just handing over tax dollars that can be spent, you know, in almost any way for homeschooling, for all kinds of, you know, scammy products that has been, you know, moving around the country, Arizona, uh, Iowa, etc. So that is looming on the horizon. And the, the same people who are pushing that um, are also pushing these really, you know, massive attacks against uh, LGBTQ people in general um, and also institutions like schools and libraries. And also a lot of the, there's a lot of overlap with election deniers um, and attacks on voting rights. Mm. Uh, so there's kind of this web of, you know, basically policies and practices that are opposing a multicultural democratic society, like small d democratic society. And I, I hope that the legislators in, in Springfield realize that 
these things are happening together and it's not just, oh, can we afford a $75 million voucher scheme? Um, it's what do we actually value in our public school system and are we protecting that? Uh, and, uh, you know, Illinois takes pride uh, in being a sanctuary for abortion rights. Uh, and, the, and they declare, no, we don't care what they do in Texas. We don't care what they do in Alabama. We don't care what they do in Mississippi. Uh, this will be a safe haven for women seeking an abortion and coming to the state, even from out of state, to get an abortion. And I wish they would have sort of that same vigilance uh, in regard to public education as opposed to kind of looking the other way uh, as a public education is undermined. Uh, and by the way, rich people, if you want to help some poor kid go to private school, just pay it. Pay it. You're rich. It's nothing to you. I mean, $75 million, I think Ken Griffin could probably pay the full $75 million himself without a tax break. Just pay it. You know, <laughs> I don't think they... I don't think it's about the poor kid going to school. I think it's about that tax break, if you just ask me. I mean, because you can just pay it. Uh, you can pay every kid who wants to go to a private school. You're rich. That's what, you know, being rich is. All right. Uh, let's talk about how it plays out. We'll close by talking about how it plays out in Chicago's mayoral election. As I said at the outset of the pro program, uh, Paul Vallis, the former uh, CEO of the Chicago Public Schools, Daily, Mayor Daly's revenue director, uh, is a proponent of a voucher program in the city of Chicago, wants to use property tax dollars to uh, fund it. God help us all. And uh, he will probably be in the runoff. My guess is that's what all the polls show and that's what all the politicians seem to be uh, lined up uh, in believing. Uh, so what impact do you think uh, Paul Vallis's voucher support will have, politically speaking, in the, the mayoral campaign. Cassie, do you think this is an issue Chicagoans will embrace? Or do you think this is an issue, in other words, will they support Vallis because of this? Or do you think this will hurt him in the election? Put on your political uh, prognosticator hat and talk about that. Um, I think Chicagoans right now don't know that we already have a voucher program. And that it is absolutely alive and uh, kicking and that it is this clear and present danger that it may grow. Um, the, the state voucher program is really not in the hands of whoever is in the mayor's office, uh, but certainly having someone who supports privatization in the mayor's office, especially for the next couple of years, while the control of the Chicago Board of Education stays in the hands of the mayor uh, will make a big difference. Um, even if, you know, maybe something, uh, as seemingly you would hope far-fetched as using TIF dollars to fund voucher schools might not come true, but certainly, you know, having a proponent of privatization in the mayor's office, which we had for many decades, uh, led to massive privatization in Chicago. You know, I mean, the, the truth is we have a voucher school right now on the west side in Austin um, that used to be a Chicago public school. Uh, it was a neighborhood school. Francis Scott Key, Rom closed it in 2013. Um, the city sold the building to a private Christian school in 2018. And now 40% uh, of the kids at that school are getting 
basically public tax dollars to attend there. That school doesn't want to serve uh, students with disabilities. It says that right on its webpage um, that it will pick and choose and students with moderate and severe disabilities need not apply. And then you look around the neighborhood at the surrounding CBS public schools and they are serving you know, anywhere up to 20% of kids with, uh, with disabilities. And we already have this two-tier system now where we have a private school that's actually being publicly funded and it's, it's screening out the kids it doesn't want to serve. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I hope that information about the voucher program as it exists now gets discussed and is debated uh, in, you know, before February 28th and after if there's a runoff. It's really... It's the present and the future of it. We could be Milwaukee. And I, I think people really need to take that seriously um, because kids in voucher schools in Milwaukee are not getting a good education. And that's what the research has shown. Um, so it, it really is a serious threat to. Uh, the program in Milwaukee is. Uh, are there any oversight that you know of in Milwaukee that limits uh, vouchers from schools that, let's say, uh, preach racism or transphobia or anti-Semitism or any other toxicity? Religious schools definitely can get funds. And so that oversight is not very tight beyond (laughs) that. Um, it, It certainly isn't for Illinois' program. Once you become a registered school that can take voucher dollars, uh, you pretty much just fill out a form and send it to ISB after like one visit. And that's how you can renew your registered school status. So yeah, I, there was the Wisconsin constraints are pretty lax as, as well as our voucher constraints around the country. And, you know, that's one of the big issues with handing public dollars over to these private institutions is that then there's not, oversight. There's not an elected board. There's not uh, someone who's going to respond to your Freedom of Information Act requests. And there's not going to be a list of who's getting contracts. You you really don't know what uh, is being done with your tax dollars when you create these programs. All right. Uh, So rather than end this with such a pessimistic note that we're turning into Milwaukee, uh, and uh, why don't you close by uh, telling listeners uh, how they can get more information, how they can get involved, uh, in, uh, if they really want to uh, uh, be part of this effort. So go ahead. Um, so I, I think I think there is room for optimism. I think that, you know, I don't know of voucher programs that ended, but I think we have an opportunity to do that here. I think the legislature is willing to listen to to research, and I think that they... You know, we have created a whole new state funding mechanism that is supposed to be based on evidence. Uh, and I think that is the precedent here. Like, are we using these state dollars uh, in an evidence-based way? Um, the governor did not mention the Invest in Kids voucher program in his address uh, on Wednesday. It's not in the budget book for fiscal year 2024. I hope that's an indication uh, that the governor's office is not a strong supporter of it. Um, and I, I think that should be cause for optimism for people who want to, to fight vouchers, uh, from becoming permanent in Illinois. Um, 
So if people want more information, uh, you can go to our website. It is ilfps.org. That's ilf as in families, fees in public, s as in schools.org. Um, and you can also find us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Um, and we have a, a ton of information about uh, the details of Investing Kids Voucher Program and what you can do to, to advocate for it to end. And one more time, read that uh, website address and read it real slow uh, so everybody gets those letters right. Because I know I got dis- uh, dyslexia. I'm always flipping letters around. So just do it real slow. Go ahead. So it is uh, I-L-F as in families, P as in public, S as in schools, dot O-R-G. So Illinois Families for Public Schools, the initials of that, dot O-R-G. All right. Very good. Cassie, thank you so much uh, for so patiently answering all my questions and laying this out. I appreciate it tremendously. Thank you so much for having me. All right. That's Cassie Cresswell. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody. 